All right, everyone, welcome back to That 70s Pod, a podcast where we go back to journalism in the 70s and we talk to some seasoned veterans and hear their perspectives on everything. So this week we have Gerald Flood, a retired Winnipeg Free Press editor. Thank you for coming in, Gerald. We appreciate it. So Gerald's career in the newspaper business started early when he delivered newspapers for the Winnipeg Tribune at age 11. As a child, he and his sister had their own radio show on CBC called Sunday School on the Air. (laughs) Throughout his career, Mr. Flood has been nominated for two national newspaper awards and has traveled the world covering a variety of stories. So thank you for coming, Gerald. We appreciate it. Oh, I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Okay, so I guess just to start off, take us inside the newsroom of the Winnipeg Free Press four years ago. What was it kind of like? What was going on? Okay, well, I started the Free Press in the newsroom, obviously on Carlton Street, and I started as a copy editor on the rim at nights. The shift was from 8 o'clock at night until 6 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yeah, so it was a pretty dead place. And clutter, I mean, it it was just a room full of clutter where uh, rows of desks were mounds of papers and notebooks and junk. The sports department was at the back and the, the news department at the front. The sports department wall was piles of beer cases, empties. <laughs> so I, I got there just at the end of that era where, you know, everyone was an alcoholic and and everyone had a bottle in their desk. And and, and the, that was just the end of it. It was the the guys in the sports department, they would drink beer all night, but, but that was about it. Wow. I couldn't even imagine like yeah. having <laughs> alcohol in the workplace. Well, I guess they're starting to reintroduce that. They say that alcohol um, is a motivator in the workplace. No, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I see. Um, I've heard a lot of startup companies are putting um, beer taps in their break rooms and allowing employees to kind of have like one or two during office hours. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you think that it yeah is a motivator or kind of gets the creative juices flowing? Uh, well, I was never one for trying to get the creative juices flowing with alcohol. <laughs> uh, a couple of times I tried it, I was ashamed of my what I'd written <laughs> the mm. next morning. Mm. And, and so it just became a rule with me never, ever to do that. The uh, But, you know, at the legislature, even in the 80s, there was still a beer fridge. Wow. Yeah, and it'd be stocked with... Wine and beer. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I can never imagine that. So you obviously started in the newspaper business, I guess, very young as a paper boy delivering newspapers. Did you always know that you wanted to go into kind of the newspaper industry? Uh, no, but but that what you mentioned about that radio uh, program mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, that, that kept going for years, uh, you know, involvement in radio, and then, then there was involvement in television mostly on the production side and so I didn't know that I wanted to be in newspapers I just the magic of being in that the CBC building on uh, Portage Avenue is very little changed from uh, the 60s oh wow yeah it's very Mm. much the same (laughs) and so as a little kid you're going into this professional environment and and everybody everybody seems so important and so I, I just had the bug for being part of whatever that was and mm. so one thing led to another and I started in radio as a little kid obviously but then at university I was involved in the CJUM radio station and that was uh, that was news production I was I was part of a, I had a friend who was the news director there and so I started doing news reporting was it intimidating going into a newsroom so 
so early in your life or so young? Oh, no, it was, it was thrilling. It was just, uh, it was this magic place. And, of course, you're little kids and everyone's really nice to you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it was great. And then, of course, Sunday morning, it was uh, Sunday School of the Air, the program was called. Mm-hmm. And it would come on right after Wash and Ash read the funnies. Can you imagine a radio program where people would read the color comics <laughs> for half an hour on Sunday morning? Really? Well, yeah. And, and then after that, then we would switch over to CBC and we would listen to ourselves. On, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Was, <laughs> How did that feel, So being so young and like hearing yourself on the radio? Well, it was great. I mean, you, you suddenly had a status that, well, actually, most people didn't know that we did that, but internally you knew that you did that you knew that you had this special little thing that you did and it was it was a lot of fun so when you got into the free press um newsroom did you find that i know i've read a little bit about ted allen and you wanting to become what he was um and what would you give as advice to young journalists or young editors um trying to find their way into this large business uh well i don't know in the modern era the skills now are so much different than they were then the things you need to know are so much different but what i've always said is that you know if you want to be if you want to be in media first do what you what you're interested in like if if you're interested in i don't know horticulture study it and then you can you'll find a way to uh, report on it or write about it or whatever it is. I mean, know something other than how to construct a story or how to make a broadcast. Uh, so I, I studied uh, political theory just because I thought it was cool. <laughs> um, but it was really useful. I remember I went into uh, political theory because the head of the department at that time said, uh, you know, you'll learn how to read, write, and think. And I couldn't think of anything more useful than that, and so that's what I did. And it was then, after I'd done that, that's when I got involved in media. I couldn't even type when I had my first job. I would write things out longhand and then sit at a typewriter and laboriously transcribe it. (laughs) One by one? Wow. (laughs) Do you think that laptops are more beneficial than a typewriter is now? Oh yeah. <laughs> Although the adjustment was it w- wasn't easy. I I was working for the Brandon Sun when when uh, they computerized and like when I arrived there, it was all teletype and uh, typewriters. And so they brought in all of this technology, and and still, I just couldn't get the sense of it. So I would still use a typewriter. Hmm. Then I would go over to the computer and then redo it <laughs> and redo it. <laughs> And the silly part was, was that to do it with a typewriter, whenever you made a mistake, what you would do is you would cut the part that was good and get rid of the part that had gone bad. Then you would glue them together, tape them together, (laughs) and continue writing a page at a time. I went through all that cut and paste stuff, (laughs) when all I had to do was delete and... (laughs) Yeah, press delete a few times. But I guess like that adjustment would be hard to make from knowing how to do a typewriter, knowing how to do it efficiently, and then going over to this computer that, you know, it seems almost too simple, I guess. No, I, you know, I don't know what it was. It was, uh, 
I knew how to use a typewriter. I did not know how to use a computer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. It's that simple. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think that we're probably going to feel that way when there's crazy new oh, technology. Sure. Yeah. And I even think that there's always a learning curve, like even coming into the program, learning or knowing how to write for one specific style. And then mm-hmm. like what you said about cutting and pasting like big blocks of text. I was like, that was oh. me at the beginning of the semester. <laughs> Could you imagine if we had to do that with typing? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. And yeah, that goes into, well, the learning curve itself is at the beginning of the year, I had no idea how to write a newspaper article, mm-hmm. like writing one or two lines, quotes by themselves. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's a lot to learn. Um, which turns me to my next question. So do you know a lot about the Crecom program? Uh, not a lot. Um, I can't remember. I, I, they used to invite me now and then to uh, be a, what, an editor for the day or something. Oh, yeah. hmm, interesting. And, and it was uh, out at, uh, but is the program now all down here? Yeah, it's yeah. all down here at the Princess Campus because it used to be down at Notre Dame before, right? Right, right mm-hmm. yeah. Well, so I know a little bit about it, but... Uh, I did not know you had a radio studio. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, that's actually one of our classes. So we do media production and then advertising, public relations, and journalism. It's Yeah, it's a very extensive program, but do you think that if this program was offered or you knew about the program when you were younger, would you take creative communications to learn kind of all of those different skills to make you a better writer? Uh, yeah, I would have because I remember at the time the only program in Canada was at Carleton University. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I couldn't afford to do that. Uh, the only <laughs> the only course I took at university that was even remotely uh, linked to this was uh, it was the it was about the CBC, but it was it was about the sociology of radio. Oh. That was it. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. That was it. I don't know. It had no bearing whatsoever on anything that I had to do. You know, as for writing, I. In my experience at the in newspapers, it was always that you, a person either had it or they didn't. Mm. And and if you had it, that was great. I mean, it made it simple. And if you didn't, you could improve. Uh, but it, it was just that difference. It, it, I guess it always is mm-hmm. in any endeavor. It's yes or no. But... Uh, it was just that what you said about would I have taken the course to improve my writing? I, I don't know. I think, I think you take the course to learn how to do it, uh, and so I had to learn how to do it uh, by imitation. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you mentioned Ted Allen. I mean, right. it was just imitating Ted Allen, <clears throat> and and sort of my first job, my first job, I was the staff of a uh, weekly newspaper in the Paw, and. Uh, there was the editor, there was a salesperson, and there was me. I wrote the stories, I took the photographs, I processed the film, I made the prints, uh, and I didn't know how to do any of that stuff when I got the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> None of it. I, as I said, I couldn't type, um, but you know, I knew, I knew the basic thing was you know, uh, and and I guess I was lucky. I could always. I just knew if I had a set of facts, I, I knew where it started. I just knew. Uh, and so that, that helped. That was really very helpful, for sure. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have to go through all of that, uh, no, the story starts here. Or, you know, <laughs> all of those things. Yeah, I was very fortunate. Uh, 
That's definitely that's what we're learning. Where a story should start and end yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. So I just want to talk about your national newspaper award nominations for a minute. Um, like how do, how does it feel being like known for that sort of prestigious thing in the writing community? Because that's pretty cool. Um, well, I guess it fades in time. You know, like it, there there's the rush of the moment. Uh, there's the disappointment of not getting called up to the stage. Of course. Uh, but, yeah, that first time I was just, uh, well, I mean, I was really pleased, obviously. I felt really great about it, uh, and it was unexpected. It was, the Free Press oddly rarely uh, entered the NNEs in those days, in, in the early days anyway. And so it, it was not something that happened very often because, Nobody was really vying for it. And mm -hmm. so when it happened, it was just, it was great. Yeah. The editor came into my office and told me, and I was just so surprised. The second time was nice just because the second time meant that the first time wasn't a fluke. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Some validation. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. so that was nice. Cool. And kind of building off that, um, I think something that a lot of young writers or even not even just in journalism, struggle with is confidence in their writing. How have you been able to become confident in your writing um, throughout your whole career? And how, what advice would you give to young writers in kind of being comfortable with sharing and getting your writing out and exploring your writing and learning more and more? I don't think I was ever, I don't think I, even now I'm comfortable right. with my writing. Over time, I knew I could do it. Uh, but uh, boy, adrenaline was always my f my friend. <laughs> uh, deadlines were just a great thing uh, because, like, the tighter it gets, the more focused you get. Yeah, I think I think a little bit of fear is probably a good thing in in writing well. You know, like sure. being afraid that you're not going to do it well. And self editing is just so important. Uh, you know, there's you've heard all the cliches, I'm sure. You know that. <laughs> You know, if it, if it looks like writing, cut it. <laughs> All of those things. You know, trying to just keep it really simple. When you really strive to keep it really simple, uh, then appropriate pronouns and adjectives come to mind. As You, you don't go looking for them. Just you, you don't want them there. But if they arise, then they, they usually fit. Mm -hmm. Keep it simple, stupid is the... <laughs> We've heard that once yeah. or twice before, too. Definitely. Well, if there's if there's one thing that you could tell us about writing or being in a newsroom or journalism, for that matter, um, kind of the difference between your time in the newsroom and kind of today's newsroom, what would the biggest difference be? Uh, well, you know, today's newsroom... Uh, Today's, I was never really part of today's newsroom. Uh, I left the free press. I was the editorial page editor. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we were hived off. We weren't really part of the newsroom. Uh, we weren't part of, you know, posting things immediately. We, we still had the old, uh, the old deadlines of we were writing for the next day's paper. We weren't mm -hmm. writing to put it on the web in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, so... <clears throat> I, I've often made jokes that I couldn't work in a modern newsroom, but of course I could just go to Crecom and, <laughs> and, and learn yeah, the, the technologies. And, uh, but but I would have to because 
I mean, my, my whole experience was using as much of the day as you could to collect the best story that, that you could possibly collect in that time. Use the deadline pressure to write it. And that's, that's the way I, I worked. And, and I think, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I haven't worked in a, as I said, in a, in a modern newsroom in, in a sense. Well, no, I haven't worked in a modern newsroom. <laughs> uh, but I had the luxury of time to think about what I was doing. And I think that makes a huge difference. Do you think that um, journalism has sort of gone down in quality because of the time crunches that we have now because of the web and the fact that you need to get the story out before anybody else does? I really do think that the, that the, the pressures to produce uh, content uh, really, I, I think quantity is starting to uh, take over from quality. Mm-hmm. But even then, I mean, I say that, do I really know that? I know that in my day, when I first joined the free press, there was probably, I don't know, 40 reporters in the newsroom. It's amazing. Now, maybe there's, is there 20? I doubt it. I know I'm probably about 20. And probably there were more than 40. Uh, but what, what a difference that makes. I mean, everyone had more time to do what they, what they wanted or had to do. They, they, you know, everyone had time to polish things and mm-hmm. that, that doesn't exist so much anymore. Speaks to the pressure I think that journalists are under, especially with tweeting and Facebook and social media. That's a big part of it too. I think if you went purely online, uh, that would probably uh, relieve a lot of the pressures. The, uh, like the free press today is a, it's a television sta- station, it's a radio station, it's an online newspaper. It's mm-hmm. a, there, there's just so many things that have to be done. In the old days, it was just newspaper. Mm-hmm. And everyone concentrated on making a newspaper. I mean, everyone sees that uh, that newspapers, as a as a you know broadsheet or whatever, are, are going to disappear, and probably that'll probably I think that'll be a good thing. That newspapers disappear. Well, that the that, that the paper product disappears, so that the emphasis goes back to producing stories mm-hmm. as opposed to products. Yeah, sort of like one platform instead of having to worry right, about right, different right. content for different. Yeah, okay, I get that. That's super um, interesting. And it's interesting thing. too that mm-hmm. that you know uh, we were all beguiled by the idea of oh yeah multiple platforms. <laughs> what a great idea! You can use the same story in fifteen places, and well, it, it seemed like a great idea, except you have to get it into all those fifteen places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's time consuming. Mm-hmm. And the writing yeah. style changes a little bit depending on where it's going to be read, if it's paper, if it's mm-hmm. social media, if it's digital. Definitely. Yeah. Do you think that's true? That the writing stuff? I guess kind of based on what we're learning in class, there's some overall ideas of like it needs to be quick, it needs to be easy to understand, like come to life. It is storytelling after all. But I mm-hmm. think on social media, a lot of times there's like much more focus on like the visual storytelling Instagram or something it's much like we first see this huge image and then just a small caption and Mm -hmm. then it prompts you to go read the full story where 
and some people do and other people don't. So it's just mm-hmm. like what they take from it. And I think that totally impacts the experience of the reader and what they gone to their day, I guess. I think I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. And the thing with tweeting is too, is you only have 280 characters to kind of get your story out there and prompt people to want to go and read your full article that would be put in print or on as a full version on like let's say the Winnipeg Free Press website. So you have the job of creating a snappy headline that also gives the reader an idea of what the story is in such little um, amount of space. And I think that is a little bit tougher to do. What are your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, when, when I started, uh, I was a copy editor, so my job was to make sure that you know it was spelled properly, that it was the correct length, that it was appropriately written. And I put the little tweet on the top called a headline uh, <laughs> to attract attention, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're right, yeah. Now you have to do all of that. There's not a whole... Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of like copy editing is still a very important job, uh, but I think a lot of journalists have to take on that job now as well as writing their whole story um, to in order to get those clicks revenue generated and all of that stuff to drive that traffic to their story because not a lot of people read the paper anymore. They're all looking online. Well, it, it's funny how elastic the word story has become. So you were saying story, but you right. didn't mean story. But you know, you we're talking about the quality of writing in a story, and like to me, a tweet's not a story. Uh, you know, right? You, even some summary, like some six paragraph, like a report. Okay, I I understand. Mm-hmm. Right. But story, that's a. Shouldn't it be the whole no, story? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. what you mean. Language is uh, definitely taking a turn. <laughs> In the last few years, this is kind of interesting for me because, uh, like, my idea of story—I uh, don't tweet. Right. I, I have, <laughs> Good. Yeah, I have, I have no interest in it. It's, uh, I, and I'm glad I, I didn't. I, I'm glad that I worked in an environment where I didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we were talking to yeah. Gord yesterday, and he said that he doesn't tweet either. And he said that, I don't, what did he say? He didn't have an interest in it? Yeah, or? he had tried a few times and the paper had always kind of encouraged him to do so, but it wasn't something that he had any interest in mm-hmm. and felt like it didn't suit his, like what you were saying, kind mm-hmm. of your definition of what like your job was as a as a writer and editor. Mm-hmm. Well, that, it's not my job to ask you guys questions, but... <laughs> uh, but but you know, so you mentioned Gord. Like Gord, clearly, uh, his whole life took great pride in in what he produced. I mean, that that was all important to him. Uh, is it the same? Gord, you could find Gord at the newspaper like two minutes before deadline, which would be about eleven o'clock at mm-hmm. night. Right. Uh, you know, trying to polish something that he liked, um, and, and and so that was the environment. It was possible to do that. Um, and, but is it still like that? I mean, it, when, it, when we talk about Gordon and his pride in what he did, that, that's what I mean. That you know, he he wanted it to be just so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, not everyone has to agree that the way he did it just so was so great. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Everyone's got their style. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think yeah, I think that still rings true to most people, and it also depends on who you talk to because our program is so 
broad in the interest that people have. Some people don't like writing very much, so they just kind of write about what they have to, hand it in, and call it a day. Me speaking for myself, I'm going to the journalism major, so I work really hard on the things that I write. I might, know, might not always be the best thing that I've ever written, or I didn't take enough time or care to do it, but I think as time goes on, that'll those kinks will get worked out. But I think it still is a pretty general consensus that you want to put pride and effort into the things that you write because it shows. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's agree? that's it exactly. It yeah. shows. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you there, Nicole. Um, I do find that obviously we do have our little like specializations, I guess, that we focus on. But even then, like I'm not going to major in journalism, but I still find writing and putting the time into that is so rewarding, not only in that aspect, but my writing overall so I I do find that putting that extra little or going the extra mile is for sure it pays off and I think that's what we've all kind of learned over the past two semesters Mm -hmm. too. Having journalism instructors who really push you to put the work and effort in is also really rewarding as well and even though it doesn't feel like it at the time (laughs) at the end of the year I'm sure we'll all be very grateful for the amount that they pushed us into writing well yeah yeah well you'll be grateful for sure yeah (laughs) yeah doesn't feel like it right now because it's exam season but yeah once it's over i will be no once somebody starts paying you to do it (laughs) yeah that too (laughs) that too Mm -hmm. they they expect they have expectations Yeah. (laughs) yeah definitely so one last question for you gerald before we end this off um what do you feel has changed the most between journalists in the 70s and journalists today? I, I, I guess technology, that's probably about it. The uh, people are still finding out things. And uh, I, I, I think that there's, uh, there's less uh, competition. Uh, and I think, and it's not just, it's not just the uh, the times and the short attention spans of readers and all the rest of it, um, but but I I really think that uh, competition leads to a lot more reporting, uh, and I think that there's really a dearth of reporting today. There's there's way too much opinion. Uh, there are way too many uh, columnists and uh, editorialists and the rest. I, and there's not enough reporting. I, I find it constantly. Uh, you read stories and you think, how, how could somebody have left this out? Why didn't somebody ask this question? And, and it doesn't happen. I mean, even, even the reporting that comes out of Ottawa. So, um, yeah, well, it's not, it's not unique. I mean, what you find even coming out of Ottawa is that there, there's kind of a lot of herd stuff going on there. And, 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 and I think maybe it's probably got to do with the, the technology and the rest. But, but I think mostly it's got to do with the lack of um, uh, competition. And I suppose that's a problem with the economics of media. I, but it's competition that improves reporting. Mm-hmm. It's not technology. So do you, do you think that the technology that we have as journalists these days is more helpful or harmful? Uh, well, I, I think it's probably helpful. I mean, I'm trying to imagine uh, what 
the newsroom would have been like in 1981 when I joined the Winnipeg Free Press. I mean, if everyone, I mean, people didn't even have, well, they had recorders, but they were cassette recorders. And okay. uh, I, I, I don't know. I'd, it'd probably be really interesting if you could have had that pool of talent with uh, all of the technology. You know, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I think back, and I, I can remember it was probably about 1995 when some University of Manitoba students came out to the new Free Press building out in the Inkster Industrial Park mm -hmm. uh, to show us. They set up a internet. We had an internet computer set up, oh, yeah. and all we had to do was learn DOS. Yeah, it's incredible, complicated uh, programming language. So if we learned DOS, then we'd be able to, who knows, I could get into the Library of Congress and you know, find out what articles they had. And, and this was like nobody could see how that could be a useful thing. <laughs> On the other hand, when, uh, when fax came along, that, that was like a revolution that, that you didn't have to wait for the mail. Mm. You know, can you imagine? <laughs> and, and so anytime you're talking to somebody, if they had a reporter, you'd say, do you have facts? Mm, and yeah. they said, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, that was, <laughs> best yes. day ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, best day ever. Just things like uh, parliamentary debates and all of that kind of stuff, they would come to you uh, in uh, like little, little booklets daily. Uh, and then they would be compiled in the library by librarians and so you could go and you could read these things and but you know it'd take a week to get there well no mm -hmm. that was the old days of the post office probably two <laughs> days right uh <laughs> yeah yeah so it'd be it would be interesting to see what you what would happen if you had a really big newsroom uh with all of this technology mm -hmm. yeah that would be interesting because Newsrooms aren't very big anymore. No, at all. I guess there are lots of really big ones, but uh, like I wonder what the uh, well is there even a, new, a newsroom with New York Times? Oh, yeah. They're probably I, all at home tweeting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this episode, Gerald. Thank you again no. so much for uh, coming on and speaking with us. Oh, we you're really welcome. appreciate it. Yeah. And that wraps it up for our podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.